what's going on down here, but in my experience, uh, poor white people love, and I mean, they fucking love heroin. <laughs> they can't seem to get enough of it. I didn't even know what I was looking at at first. I just... This is bullshit. America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. Okay, here we go. Jesus. <laughs> He's just gonna neglect the silence completely. No, this no, time? we can, we can, we can. <laughs> no, it's gone now. It looks like I'm gonna have to work with this. Uh, wait, oh man, almost on. Look to the second on the dot. Almost you waited. You waited exactly one second. Yeah, that's enough. No less. <laughs> no more. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's as long as I can last, people. <laughs> well, everybody, welcome to, to the, the necessary, necessary bullshit, bullshit podcast. podcast. This is an ongoing experimental conversation between a progressive myself. And a libertarian and a liber yeah and a, <laughs> and a li- liber- libertarian yeah. Yeah. um well kind of pseudo we talk about this but yeah. we're here as always to promote intellectual skepticism wow i guess i should have done my vocal warm-ups this morning yeah. but no intellectual yeah, sept- what skepticism um, critical thinking self-education all that fun juicy stuff that we like to promote it's, it's still somehow fun i don't know why <laughs> you know, i think that's the only thing that keeps us going yeah yeah it's one of those things where you know my roommate gets home and he's like what the hell are you doing reading articles i thought you were playing a game in there and i'm like oh, i got a podcast tomorrow yeah, i gotta, gotta get a research point. yeah, yeah. got a research yeah. yeah so um let's start with our nbs news segment before we kind of move into this kind of topic that we're going to be discussing today which i think is going to be interesting i told ian beforehand it's going to be very difficult for me uh just because i can kind of sympathize with both both sides of this uh we're going to be talking a little bit about comedy today but we'll save that for the latter part of the episode ian why don't you kind of fill us in on on what you want to do here for the mbs news segment sure yeah so i heard about this uh project from the new york times uh magazine going on uh it's an ongoing project called the 1619 project Basically, the idea behind it is to sort of rewrite the narrative and how uh, America views the uh, not only the beginning of America in general, uh, but also the slavery and the slavery, uh, but American slavery in particular and how it shaped uh, America and its very successes and demises. Of course. Yeah. And why it's called the, you know, 1619 project is because we're in 2019. So we're the 400th anniversary, I guess of, of 1619. You could say that, that's, but <laughs> that's true. They yeah. are, they are saying that 1619 actually should be the, the date of when this country was founded on just based on kind of what, you know, African-Americans brought to the, to American culture and how it has has grown from there and how it was kind of just left out of the history books, you know, in a sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll definitely get into it. Uh, right. But so I I was uh, made aware by this from the Fifth Column podcast. I believe I've shouted them out before. Yes. Uh, and they spoke about it in a very skeptical eye, in sure. the sense that 
so uh, if you go to the New York Times website and actually, uh, I think you could just search blatantly the uh, 1619 Project and it'll probably be the first. You can. Uh, they Google also research. have a podcast that's separate for just the right. 1619 Project. Yeah. And if you listen to the New York Times, the daily, um, every Saturday, they are putting episodes from the 1619 Project on the daily. So I've listened to the first two installments right. so far on the podcast and, you know, kind of read that article that you yeah. So, um, and and I'll I'll, I'll link uh, everything uh, of that good nature in the show notes. And so my my focus, obviously, Josh has some uh, other information that he's going to be bringing as well. But my focus was on sort of the headlining essay that is on the sixteen nineteen front page. Um, let me just pull up the title of it real quick. It is drum roll, please, Josh. Hopefully, you can hear that all on mic. Okay. Uh, it you can. is. You can see it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can see great. the little wavelengths yeah. moving. Um, our democracy's founding ideals were false when they were written. Black Americans have fought to make them true. So that is the. It's a terrible title, but it's the title for the headlining article. Why do you think it's terrible? Because it does. A title isn't two sentences. I see what you're saying. So you're yeah. saying it's just a touch long. Yeah, like okay. that. Like, I don't know. I get maybe, I mean, maybe it's great that it's not super clickbaity, but I right, just right, think right. that, I don't know. It's a bad title for me. doesn't reflect the content of the essay. <laughs> I just think it's a bad title. You know, I think that's one <laughs> yeah. thing that we should probably just kind of air out here. And I, I just want listeners to know, obviously, so when we talk about subjects, you know, even in, even in the comedy realm, what we're going to go into in the main episode and obviously talking about this project, which deals with a very sensitive topic, just know that Ian and I, we don't want to kind of dive into a lot of the controversial true stuff of what's going on. We are just basically just trying to acknowledge and just share with what we're learning and the implications of it. Right. And just know that anything that we might say doesn't necessarily reflect that we believe all of what we're saying, nor do we disprove what we are saying. I just think just, just please recognize that we're just having a conversation. That is just the yeah. basis of this. Like, here's the thing. We are a cultural commentary podcast. Correct. You know, we talk politics, philosophy, and everything in between. And, you know, we you know we don't need to beat a dead horse here for too long. But I mean, every one of our episodes, we certainly take a I don't want to say controversial road. We don't do that intentionally, but we end up finding stuff that may or may not be controversial, and we want to talk about it because that's what absolutely. We think is and, and I think we we just believe that with self education and with the kind of like you know critical thinking, a part of this is sometimes you have to kind of have conversations about these difficult topics because how are you supposed to understand them and how you like, even if whatever side of the coin you want, if I, if I want to further be involved with a movement, I, I have to talk about it to yeah. know what's going on, to try to understand, you know, how I can help either support the cause. And, and sometimes in order to help support the cause, you got to talk about the people that don't support it yeah. and you got to figure that out. Yeah. And so sure. we're going to attempt to to do that. So why don't you kind of go ahead and start Ian? you brought this to my attention. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I'm, I didn't uh, find it personally necessary to take a few notes on it because I don't want to, I don't want to just dig into this piece and, and tear it apart or anything like that. That was not my intention. Right. My intention was just kind to, mainly talk about the premise and i think you have you personally have some uh insights that you want to bring to the table about the effect of capitalism yeah and so i and i want to explore that um but i i guess my initial reaction to it and i probably it was probably influenced of course by listening to it on the fifth column podcast uh you know and then going back and reading it there were a few things that were confirmed about it but then there are other things that i felt were relatively 
uh, I don't want to say innocent, but certainly uh, weren't controversial in the sense that like a lot of the facts just about um, slavery and Jim Crow and sort of the, I mean, we can just say it, you know, some of the terrible things that uh, black people were uh, subjected to in in America for a long period of time. You know, I don't I don't see those as controversial. I see, I see those as like truths that we have to deal with. Right. Right. Um, but also, I guess I just want to air my main problem is that I think the the thesis of of this one essay. Now, again, that doesn't reflect my view on the rest of the project and it doesn't reflect the my views on the goals of the project or the other essays. I'm just focusing on this is that the thesis being that America's exceptionalism, whatever that is, or all the successes that um, that came to the United States um, were be solely because of slavery. And as I was kind of telling you off mic, that seems to me just, it doesn't seem to hold water that much in the sense that there are lots of other nations throughout the world's history that have had slavery for a long time and they're obviously not doing well uh, and, and haven't done well. And it just seems to me that there are other factors going on. Now, of course, this essay definitely is is very detailed. Um, I do see it meandering at times as I was reading it. I was like, okay, like, where is this going? How is this related? Obviously, the writer, she is trying to parse certain uh, thoughts together. And, as and for those, reader, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's basically Nicole Hannah-Jones. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And the, yeah. The, the piece that we are referring to, which Ian will have in the show notes, is written August 14th of 2019. Yeah, yeah. So it's... um. Yeah, it's been, you know, a few weeks ago, but I, again, you know, I, I heard about it and wanted to bring it up. And so, uh, yeah, you know, it just, it's one of those things where I thought that stating that the root of all evil and all goodness is because of slavery, I thought was a little unfounded. So those are my initial thoughts on it. And sure. so I want to And so your, for me, yeah. what's interesting is, is you know, I didn't listen to the Fifth Column podcast. Sure. Talking, having the very similar views that you have, and they were critiquing it very similarly. But for me, I, I kind of like disagree. I just think that okay. to me, that argument, what they were doing just sounds kind of like whataboutism, where it's like, hey, these other people had it too, and they didn't do well. So that, that makes it not true for, for this one. I just don't think that it's, it's, it doesn't sound to me like a solid argument that because it didn't happen for another culture for another people that had slaves doesn't necessarily mean that that's not the case with our country. You know, there are different cases and sometimes can happen differently. And I guess maybe I'm sympathetic because like I told my, my dual, my duality of ideologies where I'm, I'm more sympathetic to socialism than other people are because, and communism, I guess I'm sympathetic to those. I don't think they work, but I'm sympathetic in the sense that I'm not judging them on the failed practices of them prior. And secondly, I just think that for me, what I got from that title is, is she makes sense to me in the sense that our, our constitution was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. It's written in there like that. It doesn't right. say all white men are created equal. It says all men are created mm-hmm. equal. Yeah. And however, you know, they, she does bring up some really good points. I, I love it when she says, I thought I understood so much, but I realized I understood so little. I feel like that statement that she says in the piece just justifies what's going on in America in general, even right now in this current age and culture. And I just think that she goes on to basically describes events in history that backs her points. And so it's like, to me, just the sole premise of it's not true because other countries have failed. I just don't like that. And I want to mainly focus on the facts that she brings of why she thinks that that's true. And, and even if you read the title of that particular article, I think what she's trying to state is that, you know, 
she is saying that the Constitution was written for all men to be equal. America was supposed to be the liberation country. It was supposed to right. leave from right, right. from the UK or leave from uh, uh, the tyrant, Great Britain, uh, yeah. the Great Britain, the, yeah. the monarchy yeah. that was going on there, and and kind of have this sense of freedom. And it's just you know the irony of our country being built on this this individual liberty when you know one fifth of the population was slaved at that time. Just it is hypocritical, and 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 just the things that you learn or that I've read that they don't teach you that in history, you know? So I was actually being like, Whoa, I didn't know that happened. Or I didn't know about this Supreme court case, or I didn't know about all these things that are going and, and we're going to get into the capitalist talk soon, but it just kind of, it just all kind of, I guess, I don't know, makes sense to me. And I think the reason why you and I, our intuitions are different on this is because I do see a lot of problems with capitalism. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't, I just right. think that you see way less problems than I see. And maybe so, we see different problems. Maybe we yeah, see different sure. problems. Yeah, That's yeah, fair. Yeah. And maybe, you know, and again, it's hard to, to fight your own confirmation biases on, yeah. on these. And, and I know that we do our best and that's why you and I are here to check each other. Yeah. Because yeah. You, yeah <laughs> God well, forbid we just create an echo well, chamber. Yeah. I know. But what's yeah. nice about you and I kind of differing on view sometimes is that you, you know, we're able to check each other's confirmation bias, but that's just kind of my initial, initial reaction there. Yeah. I guess, um, you know, I mean, a lot of, I mean, what you said, I mean, I, I completely agree with, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, like even in even in the title of of her essay, you know, the fact that America's ideals were false, and that Black Americans fought to make them true. I I I think that even that we could we could take apart and be like, okay, well, no, maybe they the ideals were true. It's just they weren't being held to that standard, and we need and it was up to Black Americans to to. Uh, to make us live up to that standard or to those standards rather. Well, I just think they they wanted what was claimed to be given. You know, I just think that's where it is. It's just like, you can't, you can't have the society of, 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 of freedom and, and liberty when you have a, a group of human beings that don't have that freedom and that liberty. And so I think that what it means is that either that's the, so I guess I see what you're kind of saying. So I guess how I kind of interpret that is that this is the truth that they wanted, but it wasn't the truth that they were implementing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it was, yeah, there yeah. was a separation between what they what they thought and what they didn't, and 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 again, it just comes back to where I think the narrative here is of, of what's trying to do is is just understanding that our founding fathers were not moral elitists. Okay, our founding fathers, I think, in the article it says ten out of the twelve of them had slaves when they were writing mm-hmm. uh, the Constitution, and so and and I think she's just acknowledging that you know in the article she goes on to talk about cotton and how how uh, you know the 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 which the first bit of slaves were brought in by English pirates that were, that were basically, they got the slaves from Portuguese pirates or something like that. So, and then when English, that's another thing I actually, I want to, I want to air real quick here that I sort of have an issue with the article. Sure. I, as I'm reading this, I kind of just have to take everything that she's saying at face value. You know, she's now, now granted, I I'm hundred percent willing to accept that all the claims that she's making, uh, historical facts so you're just saying are that you true. Would, you would wish that I you would had prefer- access to the source material. Yeah, exactly. Because like again, you know, you were just saying like we largely weren't exposed to this kind of information uh, growing up in our history classes at all. Right now, it, we had to we had to learn about these kind of things secondhand, whether it through, be through film or or just people talking about it in the culture. And so one of the things that I feel could have helped is if is just giving some factual backup here because then I could have looked at the stats myself and be like oh that's that is interesting you know like it she's not just making this up I guess it just would have 
I, I just don't like people taking people at face value. I guess I guess that's saying, fair. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, and it, it, there's a lot that goes into that. What you think the integrity of the New York Times is? What do you think? You know, the you know if they if they would publish things that didn't have back sources, and and not only that, but I right. I, I think your point is that our culture, we've all been raised with a version of 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 how America came to be. That that this piece is is giving several examples of how that is just not the case. And well, and how you... they want to give their own version of it. Right. You know, the allegedly true version. And that's fine. I just, I still want some f- type of factual basis in it. And again, I mean, I'm fully willing to grant that this is based in reality. I just. Right. And and, and if you listen to the podcast version of, of, of this project, I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't give specific sources, but she does say, you know, like, you know, from the sources, it's concluded from a document that you know, Lincoln said this. Sure. So yeah, she yeah. does say like, you know, from the source of this document, this is what we know, what Lincoln said this. And, you know, granted it's not specific on what document that is, but yeah. you know, there are claims of linking back towards her source yeah. material. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there at least is that. I, I mean, just want access to that information. Right. Guess, and yeah. maybe, you know, maybe when the project is done, they might do that. Sure. You know, who knows the yeah, project yeah. is still ongoing, yeah. but I just think that, you know, the, the, like the one thing that surprised me is she talks about this Supreme court case of 1850 uh, of 1837. Mm-hmm. Um, where um, Dred's, the Dred Scott decision that said basically that African-Americans, whether slaved or free, came from a slaved race and therefore that doesn't give them the right to have the American democracy be applied to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it goes even further to talk about Lincoln and how you know, even though a lot of Republicans at that time were against the cruelty of what slavery was, but they, they weren't for like equality, like blacks equality. And, you know, and so that kind of aspect of just saying that, you know, and like I said, in the, in the, in the podcast, she basically says, you know, something along the lines of there's a document that she has that, that, uh, that states of, of what Lincoln's the kind of agenda was and, and how the conversation he went in, in 18 and 18. Oh shit. Where's that? Where's my notes at? In 18, 1892 where's that 1862 1862 yes in 1862 lincoln invited a group uh, of the five most esteemed black men at that time to the white house which is a huge deal because they had never gone there Mm -hmm. and he basically told them that i don't agree (laughs) he's according to her i I, I don't agree what's happening to your people but also we suffer too so i think we're both suffering and i think the best thing is we're just going to make you guys free and then we're going to ship you off somewhere else yeah i actually i found that really i was actually just thinking about that and and i was wondering this is interesting you know it's just interesting it's like funny that parts about our history you know and and here's like can we just get rid of you to like but i'm not as (laughs) but for me though i guess maybe i'm you know charitable i'm not as skeptical about you i just think that you know, if this is a project as big as the New York Times is overtaking, I'm just trusting, and maybe this is my insight, but I'm trusting in them to to do the proper research and to, to share with us uh, the share with us what they are finding. Yeah. And you know, again, maybe that's attached to large publications like the New York Times, where you know, if you if you like, if, if you're somebody like you and us who uh-huh. is writing on a personal blog, right? Yeah. How is somebody going to read what we take and just be like, oh, they, they can be making nonsense. So I think for us, we don't have sure. the sense of credibility, right? Of course, so yeah. because our credibility is, is is definitely less, we have to do research. And not only do we have to do research, but it's important for us to show the research that we're doing. Yeah. Uh, just to, to be clear that we're not, you know, we're we're maybe building subjective opinions, but we're, we're, we're basing it out of out of objective facts. And I just think that I'm just trusting in the New York Times credibility. But even so, like just just on the assumption that all this stuff is true, 
it's fascinating and it's interesting. And yeah, I mean, I'll let you yeah, say yeah. that because eventually I want to move into the whole capitalism aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. I guess I just, you know, I, you know, of course the New York Times has a reputation for credibility and uh, hard-handed journalism. I mean, like, no doubt. I, I guess I just think that the conversation around race in the United States is so poorly handled amongst uh, many, many people. Uh, and there's no, I, I don't think any good way to talk about it. And so when a publication comes around like the New York times with as big as a voice that they have, they will no doubt influence the way people talk about it for a long time afterwards. Right. And so I just think that when there is a voice coming along that is so sure of its ideas of the events that have happened in the past and, uh, and, strong in their convictions in in what is wrong and what is right about it. I think we should err on the side of skepticism in the sense that we should be, we should be going about like you and I here interrogating the information ourselves and how we find the whole narrative to kind of fit together. I just think that trying to rewrite the narrative, destroy the old ones and, and create a new one. I think it's, I don't want to call it dangerous, but I, but I think it's one of those things that, we still have to be careful in how we piece together history because history is one of those things where we have, you know, it it already happened and the sources change over time depending on how we feel about them. And so we we just have to be careful as we move forward, especially the furthest way. Yeah, but even, I mean, the only thing I'm going to push back on that is e- even when I was in high school, it was it was one of our, one of my teachers told me and known that, that history is not accurate in the sense that it's it's often just written by the victor and and history is is written in the in the form of you know for example like it, it not just african-american culture but even women uh there's been a lot of women because history has been written by men his story like look at the just look at the phonetic base of the yeah, word yeah so you uh, women also have this similar thing where there's been prominent figures and women throughout history that have just been left out of the books or not talked about and not to mention that you know and i think too it's not I don't. I don't necessarily consider it a, a rewrite of history. I just think it's giving certain people that have had a had a play in history, or a certain culture or group of people that have had an influence in history, just their chance to actually be added to the books. So I, I just think that, like you know, you're protect you're trying to protect the integrity of history, and I get that. At no, the same- no, I'm not trying to protect the integrity of history. I'm well, just I'm just curious to- as as to why you know your intuitions on this. Then what is the harm? What do you think the harm would be? of possibly acknowledging that, that the way that our country was founded was not necessarily how everybody was taught. No, I don't think there's harm in that. I, okay. s- I think there's harm in certainty of it. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I just, I just, I, because we are so far, I don't want to say so far separated from the effects of slavery. Obviously there is still quite the contempt between people over race nowadays like you so it it's still uh, a dynamic uh sort of equation between everybody here and how we feel about race i just think that because we are removed to a from you know from a certain distance away from from slavery especially the idea of like the year that our america's founded is in 1619 when we started bringing over slaves and that's the start of america i mean I don't know. Could, couldn't you claim that the start of America was even before that when colonists were just coming over? 
That's a nitpick. But sure, I'm, but I'm just I, but, saying but that we too, shouldn't be so certain about everything. Yeah, but we're not like you know. You say so distant from slavery. It's not even just about slavery. If you look I at know that, it's not just about. But if slavery. you look at that article, it's about what the, the 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 individual liberties of the Constitution and how that started with while we enslaved a certain race of people, and then even up to the Jim Crow South, and even up into the 60s, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They were still not given the basic rights that this country was founded on. Yeah. And it's just like, they, more than anybody, like with the Civil Rights Movement and everything, they have fought for what this country stands for. And I think that's the part that she's trying to establish, is that throughout every generation that, that, have, that have, they've been forced migrated here, like they have spent the majority of of their of their time fighting for the rights that they are supposed to have or that this country is supposed to be founded on. Yeah, I I just I mean and that's absolutely right. I just think that don't we already know this? Like what really I mean is the purpose aside from just reiterating the horrors that have, that the American public Yeah, has but that seems a t- that seems a touch naive realistic to me cuz I, I don't, because I don't I don't think that everybody knows that. Like really, this, this nobody bl- knows about like the Civil War and you didn't say nobody. Like, you said everybody. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean the same thing here. I mean, like, how do people really not know about the harms of slavery and like the civil rights movement? I mean, have we been argue- fed endless fucking TV shows, books, and movies about this kind of thing? I mean, it's. I mean, the whole. I just don't understand how many people aren't aware of. This kind of thing. Sure. And I, I, I am just saying that like when you I, I just okay. Again, maybe maybe I've been hanging out with you too long, so I'm getting nitpicky on your terminology. Everybody states to me that the entire America knows about the struggles of what we've gone through. I just don't think that people think about it. I, I think that it they even whether you learn well, or what's sure, going not every, on and it's not every day. And I but even not that, but it's not even taught properly in schools. It's you don't even you know, it's Well it like, wasn't taught properly to us, that doesn't mean it's not being taught properly now. You you think it's being taught properly now? I have, I don't know. You don't know. Fair enough. But I, yeah. I just, I don't think that, you know, it, uh, clearly to me with the current discourse of how polarized we all are and the resurgence of neo-Nazis and the resurgence of like all these crazy things that we're dealing with, it seems, to, or and even white supremacy, these mass shootings, everything that's going on tells me that people don't know. <laughs> people are not... Yeah, like connecting these dots here. They, they, like you said, the, and we even talk about this earlier. There, another reason why I think people don't know is even when we were discussing that, that article that you got frustrated with, but, but this idea that the, the which article, uh, the guy that was critiquing, Oh God, I can't remember. He had laid out his arguments and there was like three main arguments. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what episode that was like, Something. Anyway, yeah, so yeah. he was talking about, you know, just basically just putting the founding fathers on a moral pedestal and how that's still done. And and that's a very Republican kind of talking point um, or stance that they like to take. But right. even in modern politics, they are they are basically saying do not like contest what are like just the 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 constitution the the declaration of independence all these different documents from our history they they're almost they're almost they're they're almost treated like religious texts texts in a way well yeah um and not that their amendments or things can change and we have to hold true to to everything that was written back then so i i just think that from examples that i've seen it is unclear that people will not really connect the dots on the bloody history 
that is America. And that, that's not only what we've done to African-Americans, but what we've done to Native Americans, to, to how we've kind of progressed and grown and, and just everything that has stemmed from that is part of our history. Now, you're right. We can argue about semantics of exactly the, the validity of, you know, pre- precise details of how it it, it, it it basically progressed. But I think that what I like about this project is it is at least attempting to be like, look, you know, everybody has this, this, you know, this liberty, this, this passion for, for this, this freedom that America provides. And I'm just saying that it just wasn't built on freedom. Like it was built on a goal of freedom, but the people that were fighting for that never actually got it until way, 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 way later. And they're still struggling with certain aspects. I mean, yeah, that's fine. I, you know, I just think that we are, you know, maybe this is exactly where we disagree here. Sure. sure. We are, our culture is saturated with the, with the, not maybe not the understanding, but with the idea that, that America has not been founded on, uh, the most amazing, you know, forms of equality and the fact that like black people have suffered in America for long periods of time. I'm just saying that, yeah, maybe people don't appreciate the gravity of how black people have been affected in America and how maybe they're still struggling to today. But it's hard to ignore, I think, the the effects that they have when we see it everywhere. I, see, that's, that's fair, but yeah. I I don't I I just feel like that that is an internal. I I just to claim that it's hard to ignore, to me, just sounds like a personal assessment of it, like a subjective of a few. Because I feel like there are some people out there that have shown that it is very easy to ignore. It's not very difficult to ignore at all. It's it's you don't have to watch these films. You don't want to watch these films. You may not even know what's going on. Or even with some of the films that are coming up, I've heard several critiques from the African American community that even these films that that do try to portray that they're not even doing it correctly. It's more of a stereotype version of of what it should be. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like with uh, the New York Times when he did the cover of uh, uh, the Green Book or the the movie that took the Oscar. Oh yeah, yeah, with, yeah. Uh, Hugo yeah. Mortensen and Viggo Mortensen, Viggo Mortensen, and uh, Maya Hersey Ali. Maya Hersey Ali, great, great movie, right? But he was just saying that it, it to, to him it felt like a stereotype. You had the, your classic stereotype racist, and he makes a black friend, and there you go. Like, and so you know, and that was just his kind of critique of it. Now I'm not, we're not going to get down that route. I'm not, whatever or not you believe <laughs> in that, I'm just saying that yeah. I just don't kind of have that same intuition that it's easy to ignore. So I, I think you're right. That's just kind of where we disagree. Okay. All right. Good. So, but so, for those of you that are interested, it's the, the, the 1619 project. It's the uh, New York times. Yep. Yeah. On the New York times. So go check it out because it is, it is very interesting and yeah. it is, go uh, form your, go read the yeah. stuff on there, form your own opinions. And Hey, let us know what you think. If yeah. I, if you guys think that I'm a fucking idiot <laughs> and you know, something like, please then, tell me. Well, maybe I won't answer or that because Josh I'm always going to think that you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> that answer is just default to yes. Ian. Right. Yeah. But so, all right. So we're, we're approaching the half hour mark. Uh, so, so let's go ahead and take, take a, a break, break and then and we'll then come back and talk about comedy. Comedy. And we're really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that wasn't pretentious. Nope. Hey guys! Hey guys! Ooh, Josh and Ian here. Yeah. Hey, so this is the time we just wanted to say that you know, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks so much for you know, if you made it this far, then you're doing your job. Yeah, we're doing our job. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. And so, so we didn't want to be super pretentious here, but we thought let's throw in I'm our be own super pretentious. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna be. 
<laughs> so anyway, we're here, yeah. guys, to say that we just want you to encur- we want to encourage you to like, share, and subscribe. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NecessaryBSPod. Um, you go to our website, and that's NecessaryBSPodcast.com. And we're so thankful for all of you that have, have come in on the ground floor. You podcast listeners out there, keep listening to other podcasts. Keep having a good time. Keep enjoying. Especially and, listen to ours. Absolutely. So remember, please like, share, and subscribe. And uh, enough of us talking. Let's get back to us talking. Yeah, let's get back to the bullshit. And welcome back to the Necessary Bullshit Podcast. Yes, welcome back. We're back from the break. Yeah, you had a much better NPR voice uh, than I did just a second ago. Oh, does that? Oh, I didn't even yeah. realize I was it was doing just it like then. the soft, but like well, we did that. Remember, we, we did that. We did that bit. We did that. No, bit I know that, but it was such a great bit. It was a great. That's bit. why I bring it back. Which is why we're talking about comedy. And it's actually pretty sad because I did that bit, and I was going around telling all my coworkers that I did that bit, and I was depressed by how many of them had no idea what NPR was. <laughs> <laughs> it was sad. It's just like you know when you turn on your radio to eighty nine seven, they're like, "What's that?" Station? They're like, "I just listen I was, to the country I was like, station." I was like, you know, I was saying that. And they're like, "What do you? What do you? Why are you speaking so quietly?" I'm like, uh, "NPR." They're like, "What the hell is NPR?" Yeah, I'm like, no, nope. it's, it's kind of like OPB. What's OPB? You know, PBS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like the CW. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. No, it's not like the it's CW. Not like the CW. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, anyway, so this you know, Ian, I kind of like put the the the, the stress on you to to introduce the the MBS segment. I'm also going to do it now because yeah. <laughs> uh, just for this episode, both of these ideas were yours. Yeah, um, yeah. that's yeah, okay. We, I can take that. I, I know we go stress. back and forth between yeah. the you know current, coming up with episode ideas. I know and, Josh always wants to talk about socialism for some fucking reason and so i'm like okay we're guess we're talking about it i'm like hey do you want to destroy capitalism today and you're like shut up josh and i'm like okay (laughs) yeah so uh, on that note as i previously mentioned and and as we mentioned in the opening segment kind of wanted to talk about the state of comedy um yes um i think it's a really interesting uh idea i'm i'm a huge fan of of comedy and and of several stand-up comedians i think it's good to have a laugh i think it's helpful um and that's it. That's all I have to say about this whole entire episode. Yep, no. and we're done. No, but I think you, you, you bring up a, you know, I know that you have been hassling me about wanting to talk about the state of comedy. Yeah. Uh, particularly stand-up comedy. Yeah. Uh, for a while. And I was like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. And we just kind of been going off. But then, you know, uh, Ian reached out to me. He's like, did you see Dave Chappelle's new stand-up Sticks and Stones? And I was like, no, I have not. He goes, there's a lot of controversy on it. I'm going to watch it tonight. You should watch it. And let's talk about the state of comedy in America. (laughs) And I was like, so, you know, he sent me a bunch of articles and I've seen a few of them myself. And so I thought, you know what? This is very hot right now socially. Um, And, you know, we do, like you've mentioned earlier, we do a lot of cultural commentary. And so I think it is time to maybe dive into kind of what is going on with comedy right now and yeah. and kind of just kind of flesh out what what we feel and i was telling in it's going to be a rough episode for me because i am very sympathetic to both sides of this argument yeah for sure so i want to step off the gate here i was kind of you know i never watched so we're going to be yeah referencing dave Chappelle's uh new netflix special sticks and stones i was never a big fan of Chappelle show uh growing up now granted this is because i just didn't have access to it i didn't have the cable to watch you know comedy central or anything like that when his show was on the air and so i had friends at the time you know in high school saying they're like oh Chappelle show and they'd make all these references to you know Chappelle and and like i'm like okay that's it seems funny but i have no idea um 
And but I heard about his sort of infamous leave from the scene. Right? Yes, he moved to South Africa for a while. And, yes, and uh, and then kind of recently in the last, gosh, I don't know, eight years, he kind of started stepping back on the scene, started mm-hmm. doing more stand up. And for me too, I, I never yeah. I never directly watched the Sapel show, but I've you know again through through peers talking about it, and and then obviously later in life when kind of YouTube was invented and and, and the internet was more easily accessible. You know, I would see kind of clips, right? Uh, very similar to Key and Peele, and I know yeah. that that's kind of controversial because Chappelle kind of threw a lot of shade at Key and Peele for claiming that they've kind of stole his algorithm. But, yeah. but Key and Peele, in the sense that where I've never actually watched the show, I have just watched a lot of their sketches on YouTube, and so <laughs> yeah. you know, I you know, for me, the famous one is the the, the Rick James sketches I remember oh, sure. from the Chappelle show, Rick James, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I remember um, Eddie Murphy's brother did like a I think a Prince one. Or he, oh, or he was yeah, Prince. I think I've, yeah, I heard of that. Yeah. Uh, and the one that, um, funny enough, my uh, and a lot of it too is I think Phil. He was a uh, he was a he was an African American friend of mine in, in, in high school, and he loved the Sapelle show. And he was like, he would always kind of like show me some of the things that he was doing. And and I think he, I, if I remember, because it was like one of his favorite. The reason why it's so memorable to me because he's like he was like, hey, like you got to look at these sketches. And it was the the sketch that he showed me was. He was a he was the the blind man that was a Chappelle played a blind man that was a white supremacist who didn't know that he was, he black. was black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, and That's hilarious. and he left his wife who he found out. You know, and yeah. just that sketch he showed me, and it, at the time I was just like, you know, to me it was it was I was impressed how he was able to take such controversial topics mm-hmm. and find a way to kind of like make them funny without feeling bad about laughing about it. Yeah. You know, without feeling that guilt. And I think that's what a lot of the sketches I saw from Chappelle, that was what I, I gained from that. And I think Keen Peele do that really well, too. They yeah, have like a exactly. suburban zombie jank where all the, the they're running from zombies. And it turns out that all the zombies in the suburban, that they're all white and racist. Yeah. Like, the, so they're not going after <laughs> yeah. that. So it's like for me and even like uh, Keen Peele has a, a bit called Auction Block, too. Um, that's just a really funny sketch. And. And I, I just, what I love about them and the reason why I compare both of them together is because they do find a way to talk about these very sensitive topics mm-hmm. and find a way to, to find a, a stylistic choice to make them humorous without feeling terrible for, for laughing about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you and I both share uh, uh, interest in, in another bit where they're in Nazi Germany and they've got white face on. Yes, Ty Burrell. Yes, Ty yeah. Burrell plays the, the German uh, the German guy looking around. They, they have white face on and it's, you know, and they're basically having him do these ridiculous stereotypes of like, you know, black people said only being half sizes and, and they, they ended up like leaving. And so they took, I love how they switched it. You know, they're yeah. doing like whiteface and it was really funny and it was just, you know, they were, they just had a really good way of, of being clever about their comedy when it mm-hmm. comes to some, some, some uh, kind of sensitive subjects. But then you have other comedians that don't care. Like I would, the three that I think of is, is um, uh, Louis CK. Yeah. Especially like an SNL, I did that child molester bit. Yeah. Um, so Louis C.K. is also a comedian that has done, doesn't give a fuck, but will just do controversial comedy. You have Anthony Jezernick. Um, I'm not sure oh, you're Anthony familiar. Anthony Jezelnik, yeah, yeah. Yep, he yeah, is... I've, I, he, I've been wanting to watch one of his newer specials. You're going to... Yeah. yeah, if you know him, you would love him because yeah. he's that very dark humor, doesn't give a shit. I think one of my favorite jokes is from him as he said, you know, I'm pretty sad because my grandma's going to die tomorrow. And then everybody in the audience, oh, he's like, oh, no, don't don't feel too bad. I just refuse to pay the ransom. <laughs> you know, like that's one of his jokes about that's killing great, his yeah. grandmother because he refused to pay the ransom. Yeah. So he, you know, and he, he has very risque jokes and right. he's not apologetic for it. But that's his style 
of humor. Right. That's how he's trying. And then the last one that I, th- oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, oh, uh, Daniel Tosh. Oh, sure. Yeah. And Daniel Tosh yeah. is the Daniel last. Daniel Tosh has gotten into some trouble. He's yeah. gotten into some trouble. He yeah. is also somebody that, that, and I think, again, it's a stylistic choice. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable humor. So again, with the Chappelle show and, and um, with Key and Peele, they found a way to cover those topics comfortably. Uh-huh. Especially in the, just in those shows, in the context of the shows. Right. But then you have people, you know, obviously like Anthony Jezernick and and Daniel Tosh in particular, who does not. Right. They, their goal is uncomfortable humor. Yeah, Louis C.K. Sure. very so too. Like yeah. I'm going to make you so uncomfortable that the only thing you can do is laugh to yeah. get yourself out of that situation. Yeah. It's a stylistic choice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so um, uh, kind of going down the line here, uh, just with Chappelle's history. So in 2017, he did four. It was either three or four specials for next for Netflix. Some of them were pre-recorded from other uh, stand-up uh, that he had done, uh, but then Netflix bought the rights to them. And I guess he—that's right—he was three, and he uh, got paid ninety million dollars for them, like at twenty or sorry, I think sixty million, 60, yeah, million 60, dollars 60. for um, for and twenty million apiece, right? Which is so goddamn, three, yeah, three, yeah, yeah, yeah. goddamn, that's a lot of money. But um, yeah, and so I kind of came back to appreciating Chappelle's comedy after watching those uh, Netflix specials that he did uh, a few years ago. And I thought they were very funny, obviously had a lot of controversy going on. I don't remember uh, very many of the bits going on, but so as I heard his new uh, special being coming out, all of a sudden I started getting on my news feeds, like how we should avoid Dave Chappelle. He's obviously, uh, you know, curting towards white supremacy and like is transphobic and all these other uh, claims about him basically being uh, again, further unapologetic and politically incorrect and going around seeing all these, you know, I went back the other night and I watched his new, uh, his new special sticks and stones. And I will say from some of the articles that I read about his new special, I actually sort of, agree with them on the sense that he is just sort of ranting yes in this special now i don't know if you saw the his other netflix specials but i thought they were more finely tuned crafted comedy well you Whereas know the, the, yeah he was he was, was different well i just think that there was there was a sense of calmness in his first couple specials that yeah. released on netflix especially the one where i can't remember the name of it but he's kind of sitting in a chair you know yeah and the whole yeah, special yeah. same he's smoking a cigarette sitting yeah. in a chair talking about life mm-hmm. and he seems relaxed and he seems calmed and yeah. his jokes are calculated yeah. and this one seemed a touch more spastic a touch more um but again though i just i i was telling Ian a little bit off mic maybe i'm a little bit sympathetic because i'm trying to view it in just the art of a comedic joke and i think uh-huh. if we want to get into these actually you know let's get into these articles that you sent me sure and i have oh, them yeah. in chronological order yeah. of, of, of when you sent them to me because yeah. you know i took a bunch of notes on his actual special yeah which we can get into, you know, obviously when we go. But the first article you sent me is from The Atlantic. Um, and it was written by a Hannah Georgias. G-I-O-R-G-I-S. Was it The Fear in Dave Chappelle's new special? Correct. Yeah. Hannah Gort. Georges, Georges, yeah, Georgius. Yeah, All right. Not, yeah. Anyways, written on August twenty eighth of twenty nineteen, yeah. uh, and like in, like inside the title is the Fear in Dave Chappelle's new special. So. I I had a problem with this article and the sense that I think that this person was trying to take a moral stance on 
on things that I felt were just clearly structured comedy. Yeah. And I think that Dave Chappelle titled it Sticks and Stones. Yeah. So I think that Dave Chappelle had every intention of of writing jokes to be as controversy or to, to start like a, a, a narrative or a yeah, dialogue absolutely. on what's going on. Yeah. And and whether or not you agree with with the 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 base morality of the jokes that he's using, yeah. I still think that it was a stylized choice. Yeah. Now, granted, the reason why I'm sympathetic here though is because what she is saying is not technically wrong. Like if you take what he's saying at face value, okay, you can there is a lot of what she's describing in here. So this is why I'm sympathetic and this is why I have a hard time breaking it down because when you say a joke, mm-hmm. okay, you have to understand what influence that that joke may have. And and this is yeah. where and this is where actually I'm curious to ask you this. Do you think that if you have a following, a massive following of people that are not I guess should you be judged by your followers? Because as as one person had wrote, I guess I have a quote here from which mm-hmm. we'll go later on. But then that's not yeah. the, the the most common critique of these is that people are are, are critiquing these as if they were academic pieces, yeah. as opposed to 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 purposefully written satire. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you have that miscommunication there. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to factor in the level of influence you have as an entertainer, mm-hmm. and and that influence how a lot of your your people that are laughing at these jokes, again, may not know or may not directly correlate that you have created a satire that you have done that intentionally. Yeah. And they may roll with that and take that. And it makes me think of religion too, where it's like, you know, (laughs) what I mean by that is how many people take their morals and overlay them on religion as opposed from getting their, their morals from religion. Yeah. So what you see a lot in white supremacy too, is that they are taking their morals and they're laying them over a religious context to justify. Sure. So you have that problem. So I'm sympathetic to the fact that when you talk negatively about these, about these kind of movements that, that, that people have died in mm-hmm. and, and how polarized it is now, especially like with Rose city Amplify and the, our covering of that, just how yeah. even polarized we got attacked for just talking about it. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah. like the polarization right now is so massive. Like, you know, maybe that was his point. Maybe that was his intent, but should a, a person with a massive following be cautious of the influence that they have over the people that are listening to them? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you as a, uh... Uh, as uh, with acting experience and myself as uh, having as a loser, right? Yeah, oh. as a loser. No, um, but writing and 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 having to have other people read it. Sure, you know you have to understand your audience, right? right. Uh, and what they're going to think of it, and you have to play. You have to placate to them in order to reach a point. Not all the times, but most of the time. Um, I think with comedy is is. Special because of how big some comedians are. You know, somebody like Louis C.K. or uh, Dave Chappelle or Ricky Gervais. They have large audiences. They know that a majority of their audience are core fans and will laugh at all of their jokes and won't ever give them any shade. Sure. They know that. But they also, I think, are intelligent to know that there are going to be people who like them. But don't like all their jokes. Maybe some of their jokes are they find offensive, but they like most of their other bits and, and whatnot. But then they also know that there's going to be people that they're just not going to please no matter what. Right. Right. And so I guess one of the things that, you know, like I can say a really off color joke and it's not really going to affect that that 
it's not going to affect that many people because there just aren't that many people that know me, right? And, you know, I can say an off-color joke to you and you can be like, well, that was stupid. I didn't like that or that was offensive. And then you and I can talk about it, right? You know, if you found it offensive. Some of these big comedians, if they say something that's off-colored, a lot of the times, you know, they, they can't meet the people who they find offensive. So it's one of those things where no matter what you say, especially during what time, you know, we were a little bit, we were talking about how Dave Chappelle, for example, back in the early 2000s, had much different reactions to his stuff that he's getting now. Obviously about different things, you know, around the early 2000s, the Iraq war was going on. I mean, you know, there was, I was just watching, uh, actually earlier this morning, this, uh, uh, stand up from Joe Rogan and it was from 2005 and he was making a joke about, uh, um, about Muslims living in the Middle East and talking about how they uh, dress like a genie, like that would probably be not very taken well today. No, but... you know, and so it's one of those things where it's audience and it's time. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You just there's you. I don't think you can ever really win. Well, I just think that so. So for me, I, I, the reason why I think I'm sympathetic to both sides, but I, I'm gonna say that I am. I probably fair on the side of of the comic. And the reason yeah. being is because I feel that we can laugh at the world or we can cry. And I just want to choose to laugh. I make fun of my own self. I, I self-deprecate all the time. Now, a lot and I of, make fun of you. Right. And a lot of the, you know, and this is, this is going to be a little, the little crash. So I apologize listeners. Um, but I, I oftentimes when I'm, you know, when people make fun of me, I do the eight mile thing where it's like Eminem at the thing makes fun of himself. Therefore yeah. that other guy has nothing to say for him. So yeah. it's like, I, I have small hands. I was born with very, very small hands. A lot of people tell me how small my hands are and they are small. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, That's I can, why he's related to Donald Trump. <laughs> that's not true because you see episode. this no hair on yeah. my head yeah. yeah i decided to yeah um but no so i um i often make a joke when people try to attack me with my small hands i'm just like yeah but when you know when you have small hands it makes your dick seem huge yeah you know and that's the joke i make and, that, and that, that's self-deprecating like on, on myself and and so i get the humor side and, and for me throughout my my experience of life the the worst like racist joke i ever heard I heard from a you know from my African American friend. Right. The most anti-Semitic joke I've ever heard, I heard from my Jewish friend. Yeah. You know, it's like so. What's funny to me is that is that a lot of the worst jokes that I've ever heard, the worst woman joke I've ever heard from a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, we had, you know, just it's just for me, a lot of the worst jokes I've heard in that category came from the 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 the, the, the group that the joke is about. Sure. Um, and now maybe they heard it from somebody that's not, but I heard it from them. And so I admire people that, that can just look into themselves and realize that everybody has stereotypes. Everybody has stereotypes, you know, and they exist for a reason. And I think that some, some comics and Dave Chappelle's in this category, there are comics that spend a lot of their time looking at the way that the world is and trying to find a way to make it funny. Mm -hmm. And I think what's happening is, is there's a separation on. So for example, do, do I think that Dave Chappelle is really transphobic? I do not. Yeah. I think that him and on a special stating that the idea of, of feeling like you're somebody else in somebody's body, just the core idea is funny to him. Yeah. And I think here's what happens. This is where I'm sympathetic because if you just took that at face value, there's nothing wrong with what he said. Let's say that in a thought experiment, if we lived in a world where there wasn't so much hatred and death happening to that group of people, that just the idea itself without, let's say that the trans community just didn't exist. 
Like we're in a world. Oh, Josh. No, <laughs> that's not. That's not what I mean. I know, I I'm know. just saying that. Like, I'm let's joking. just say that yeah. we're we're in a different we're on a different planet where human yeah. beings have done that, and we've never dealt with that before. Right. Right. And somebody just thought of the idea of how funny would it be if I'm in somebody else's body and I thought I was in there. Freaky, yeah, it's called Freaky Friday. Yeah, yeah I was I, just, just about to your, say. <laughs> yeah. So Freaky Friday or or things like that, where where this trope, this comedic. This trope has been used in comedy before, right. but now we fast forward to where we are, right? And we have people that that are trying to live their truths, and they and then they're basically like, like you know, you and I both agree where it's like, if somebody wants to put on a dress, who the fuck cares? Right. Like, why are people judging people for how they want to be yeah. when it doesn't directly affect them whatsoever? Yeah. Um, and so, like, we we get that, and I and I think that I think. Dave Chappelle always appears to me to be kind of a libertarian in the sense, just some some of the way his views are, some of the way yeah. he views stuff. Yeah. And so I think the the idea of them wanting to be who they are doesn't bother him. But just the concept of pretending to be somebody else, I think he thinks is funny, and he wants to kind of expand on that. But where I don't know how to fix is that, should he pay attention to the fact that, like, Doing that is is okay on face value, but you have to assume that that's going to be it. That's going to come with a baggage. Yeah, that topic will have a set of baggage that you're going to run into, and you know it's difficult to know whether or not it should be okay. So I think that's why on and you know what? let's just let's just make the argument clear in case listeners are, are unclear sure, of what sure. the argument is. Yeah. The argument is is that you have one school of thought that says that everything is fair game to be made fun of. They're not actually attacking these things. It's just a satire. It's just trying to find a way to get a laugh in the cruel world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is. And then you have the other side that says that there are two, there are topics that are just too sensitive to talk about. Yeah. And you can't, you should never bring them up. Now, granted there's, there's fluctuations within that. Like for example, some comedians say, I agree that you shouldn't joke about stuff. Or if you do, you have to do it right. Yeah, and if you don't do it right, yeah, know, it's I, all about the timing. Yeah, I think uh, Jerry Seinfeld is, is is comes to mind when I think of somebody like that. Like, uh, you know, Jerry Seinfeld. You know, uh, I don't think he does stand up that much anymore, from what I know. He he has a show, comedians in car getting coffee. Yeah, uh, which can be funny. Sometimes. I think he's still done. Uh, I mean, even in a documentary of of, of a stand up comedian, who was I watching? It was like a doc. No, was it somebody did a re. They did stand up. Oh, Will Smith, I uh-huh. think. Will Smith did stand up for the first time. I'm, no, I think that's oh. wrong too. Anyway, there was there was. A, I know of that though. There was a stand up show I was watching that was like a resurgence of stand up, and he was trying to like practice his set, but then all of a sudden Jerry Seinfeld showed up and just did his set and like took his time slot, and he was like, <laughs> you know, and he's like, I can't be mad. It's fucking Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently Jerry Seinfeld still pops up in comedy clubs and does sets. Yeah. That's what that's what I was. That's what you took the to long say. way to get. Yeah, to. yeah. He took the long road. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, you know, so I think, you know, as far as clean uh, comedians, I think of somebody like Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole, and there's a whole, uh, there's a whole um, sub channel on Facebook and I'm sure they're probably on Instagram too, but it's called dry bar comedy. Uh And it's a whole series of comedians that, that basically it's, it's, it's comedy that's not controversial. It's called dry bar comedy. God, it must Um, be fucking awful. No, it's actually not. A lot of it's pretty funny, but I mean, it's definitely not. It's just, it's just different strokes for different folks, you know, for sure. Yeah. And I, yeah, for sure. And I think that, I guess what I think about, you know, is here's like the level of, uh, uh, the scale rather of political correctness that we, that we kind of have to talk around. 
um, you know, in the sense that you you mentioned sensitivity. People are much more sensitive now yes. and, and about certain topics, you know. So one of the things that Dave Chappelle was talking about, did you watch the, uh, the like, 20-minute epilogue after the end of his show? See, you say that. It's not... I watched the Netflix. I fast forward to the end of the show. It ended. There's no. They took it off. They must have taken it off. No. So it's in trailers. Oh, it's in it's trailers. In trailers. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so I thought because everybody was saying you have to watch till the end of the thing for the yeah bonus to unlock one. it. Oh, that's yeah. how it's unlocked. Yeah. Okay. That's Strange weird... how they did that. Yeah, because but... I thought because the way that I read it was you just have to wait. To, I thought it was going to be like an end credit thing where it's. I like, thought so too. Yeah, yeah. kind of like how Marvel does with their little like, <laughs> you know, you everybody Teasing stays. Next... Yeah, yeah, just to yeah, keep people sure. in the th- yeah. Yeah. No. And I feel so... like that's rude to to the movie workers. Like, fuck you, Marvel. People used to leave <laughs> when the credits happened, and we could just used to clean this theater. Know, for the next like, movie. remember the first? Well, see, the thing is, you know, the first time they did it was with Iron Man. Yeah, and like they played like a couple credits, but enough, like in a short period amount of time, to like people were still like, "Oh, get it? Wait, do I need to go sit back down? There's something happening." Right. So you now know? So it's now like, any, yeah. So now I feel bad for the movie theater workers because anytime like in Marvel movies, I'm like, "What? Why ain't he in there?" Oh, because every person's gonna sit in there to the very last until yeah. the until uh, the roll of the film yeah, is gone yeah, because they don't want to miss anything. <laughs> that's a that's yeah. anyway. Let's take way back. I'm, topic. Honestly, I feel even. I feel worse for the producers of the movie who like all their names. Like, I don't care about those names. Bye. Bye. I'm going away. Bye. I don't need to read all those names. So maybe you're right. Maybe that's why I love how you dramatically had to walk away. So maybe even on mic, it'll, it'll sound like you're leaving. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So in his little, his little epilogue, he, there, it's this compilation of like Q and a, right. Does. Which I've, I've heard. And I yeah. read a little bit about it on these articles yeah. that you sent me. I, I still, I'd like to admit, I thought they had just got rid of it. Cause I, didn't understand that it opened that up, so I'm right. going to have sure. to revisit yeah, go that back and, and, and watch it. I thought it was I thought it was funnier than the actual uh, stand up. Uh, oh, interesting. Part. Yeah, yeah. I didn't particularly care for this stand up special. I thought the other ones he did were way more tasteful. Uh, and just and I funnier. agree, I agree. Yeah. I just but there's still aspects of it that I I thought that they were calculated for him to do. And, oh, absolutely. And there's a couple. I mean, jokes. he's a smart comedian. Like right. he knows what he's doing. Right. And there's a couple jokes that you know. I, you know, I was like, okay, that's pretty funny, you know, but you're right. There's, there's some of it where, so that's why, you know, like that's I was what, never laughing out loud. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and moving into the Vox article too, cause I think what you're about to say is, is revenance to what's was said in the yeah, Vox yeah, article. Yeah. So yeah. this is by, um, Asia Ro- Romano, I'm pulling it Romano, uh, Dave's Netflix special triggers, uh, Michael Jackson's accusers, hashtag me too and cancel culture. Yes. Is that the one? Yes. Yeah. So it's, uh. Yeah, Aya Romana. Yeah, Aya Romana. Yeah. So that was written on August 29th. So the, what I liked about this this piece is it just it was kind of just a generic blanket wash of here's the things that he said. Yeah. And here's how it pissed off those people. But then they do stuff like, you know, like sh- letting people know that that Dave Chappelle is known for this, that he was making Michael Jackson jokes in 2004, right. that he's always been in the center of controversy with his comedy and that how his true character may not say that because it talks about the the benefit concert he he put on for the uh the for um the Dayton Ohio shooting yeah, for those victims exactly. of the Dayton Ohio shooting so there there's like you know they were talking about evidence of his philanthropy work you know and things like that and so just trying to basically just i think what i liked about that one is is they did talk about a lot of of the you know of the jokes that he was doing now, however, just the whole defending wealthy peers and, and judging you know, transgender and some of the things that are saying, I just think that, again, for some reason, I didn't think it was well done, but it did seem like a like a like an actual choice. 
like a stylized choice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I think that, and maybe there is remnants of what he actually feels, but that's my problem. I don't do that with comics. I guess that's where my separation is. When I view a comic, I, again, my theater arts background, I suspend my disbelief on mm-hmm. anything that that person might believe. Yeah. Because I know he's playing a character. Yeah. Like, because even if you're yourself, and I think that's the exactly. confusion here, that, yeah. because you look at people like Larry the Cable Guy, for yeah. example. For those of you that don't know, Larry the Cable Guy came from a rich area in California. Larry the Cable Guy actually does not he is not a redneck. He doesn't actually have that accent no, that he uses. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, that, is a character. That whole character. thing he's that he does is a caricature. And a yeah. lot of comics, when you know, because I read some books in comedy when I was uh, when I was when I was like fifteen or sixteen, because I thought about going into stand up. I thought about wanting to write a routine. Um, God help us all. I know, right? <laughs> but what was funny is that reading that a lot of it was like building your persona, building who you right. are, and some. Comment like comics maybe have a stage name and their real name doesn't reflect on that. Like Larry the Cable Guy, obviously his real name yeah. is not Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. Um. But and there's but I think it gets more difficult when there's comedians that create personas, but they just use their same name. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. and that's what I think about people <clears throat> like like Anthony Jezernick and um Dave Chappelle and and like um Daniel Tosh. Yeah. I think those three people are not as vulgar and intense in real life. I just think that they no, have chosen yeah. to create these personas and they have chosen a type, a type of comedy that they might just be in, instinctually good at. Yeah. They may not believe in what they're saying, but they might be good at fleshing that out and seeing things for as ridiculous. So right. with Dave Chappelle, I think people are having a really hard time separating him as a person with what he is saying. Yeah. Absolutely. On top of how that influences people. Yeah. And I think, too, that even goes further with some uh, some of the those comedians who have shows that are based almost on their real life. So as a, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Louis C.K., and he had his show Louis on, on Fox for a yeah. while. And it was eerily, you know, allegedly similar to his own life. It's basically, he's playing a character that's based on himself. Mark Maron did the same thing with Maron. Uh, and it's one of those things where we we feel like we know this person, you know, on a strange personal level. And so when they're out there doing stand-up, you're like, that's them. Right. That's that person. Right. You know, when they're a celebrity, like, I, I, there's no, I'm sure, I mean, sure, maybe I could relate to Louis C.K. or Dave Chappelle on some things. But, like, I I don't know them. Like, they are going out there, like you said, they are writing this stuff for laughs. It's not something like how normal people talk or, or, or conversate about issues. We, you know, it's, they're specifically designed to trigger an emotional response. You know, it's not something that just occurs naturally. And, uh, Oh, here yeah. it is. So this is, this is Michael, Michael Shea from SNL. Okay. He's, he defends, um, he's defending Chappelle by saying that if you look at a lot of the articles, you can tell that they're judging the takeaway and not the art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess why I'm sympathetic is, is that wrong? Is it wrong to judge a takeaway? Because the, the next article by from Vice by Taylor Housting on August 26, 2019, uh, the title is, you can't, you can definitely stop Dave Chappelle's new Netflix special, Sticks and Stones. Yeah, definitely skip. Skip, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Skip, yeah. You can definitely skip, uh, my own handwriting is terrible, Dave Chappelle's, so... This is on Vice. Yes, Vice. So the thing about Vice is that that article, I did not like that article at all because they didn't mention, they took what Dave Chappelle said as like Dave Chappelle making a a proclamation to to how culture is. Yeah. They are taking what he is saying and they are just assuming 
that it's a hundred percent truth or his truth mm-hmm. that he's spouting. Yeah. Not satire, not jokes, not, yeah. not making fun of a situation. Right. And, and for me, like that first article, like that's why I really enjoyed the Vox article because they did that, but they also, you know, acknowledge that he's a comic that has had these past. They've acknowledged uh-huh. things that he's done. They've, they've kind of combined that. So it's like, uh-huh. I think that if you are going to judge the takeaway, you have to understand the art that that takeaway is coming from. Yeah. yeah. And what I got from this Vice article by Taylor, he wasn't judging it as a comedy stand-up. He was judging it as like, look, this is what Dave Chappelle just proclaimed to the world. Yeah. And now maybe he's not wrong. Maybe because of the fact that like that, and this is what we should probably like get into the weeds here about. For because- sure. I mean, like he's obviously writing this stuff for a reason. Right. right. And, and maybe and like, and again, what, so the reason that let's see, what is the, it's, Oh, right. The Vox article is, he says, interesting twist that though. He said, so this, this, this author is claiming that Dave Chappelle only did this to find a way to keep his, like himself in the public eye. I just don't know if I agree with that. I mean, like, isn't that what all comedians do anyway? Well, if you're famous and you you want to keep out there, maybe yeah. he's come back. But I mean, if, I, I don't I don't really know because maybe that's his motivations. Maybe not. Uh, to me, the fact that he walked away from the Chappelle show, he walked away from a you know, million dollar contract and and just fled to yeah. to wherever for forever and was off the scene for a long time. Doesn't seem like maybe now that he's back, maybe he wants to be back in the spotlight and get himself up. But I just think to me that he thought I I again. This might be cruel, and some people might think this is cruel. I just think that he he just thinks this shit's funny. Yeah, and yeah. like to watch people kind of have this discourse, this conflict of of people freaking out. I just think he thinks it's like, funny. Why else do you do comedy? And you know, speaking of, uh, just of the of the content of of his of his comedy is like he's not the only person doing this, right? There are other people. You know, you've got your Joe Rogans out there. You've got your uh, Ricky Gervais's and like Joe uh, Rogan attacks religion a lot. And yeah. it's just like, and I think one of my favorite Joe Rogan jokes is he's like, we share 98% of our gene or of our DNA code with monkeys, apes, yeah, with chimpanzees, yeah. with chimpanzees. Yeah. And he's like, how can you not see that science and still believe that like we're intelligent design? He goes, if he goes, with somebody who's religious then with that, with that belief, if I gave you a sandwich, that's 98% shit. And the rest is ham. You're still going to tell me that that's a ham sandwich? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's a great joke. Yeah, I know. It's great. That's a great joke. Yeah. And and it's because he's like making a satire of reality. But however, if you are somebody that believes in intelligent design and you're somebody that is religious, that can be very offensive to you. Of course. Yeah. And that, I think that's the thing. So there's there, uh, there's two things I want to bring up here. One is like in that Vice article, they reference... Uh, uh, they reference that Q and A that he does uh, when he's talking about how there is um, there was a trans woman who was uh, laughing at all of his jokes. Yeah, in the sense that we are we do live in such a sensitive society that he was finding it great that somebody could actually take a joke. Somebody realized, and of course, he said, "It's like, oh well, that person used to be a man, so of course they could take the joke." Um, so there's things like that that I find that it's one of those things where we should be focusing on how can we bridge a gap? And I, th- I think that I think him doing so is an attempt at that, but you also have to take in consideration that even in this uh, Q and a that it did, he's still sort of crafting jokes 
even there. Yes. You know, like he's like, look, people are wanting to talk to me. I'm going to be funny. I'm going to try to be funny. Like, right. let me make this up like this kind of funny anecdote. That's what a lot of comedy is. I feel like anyway, our anecdotes like this happened to me. Maybe a version of it actually happened, but let me, yeah, yeah but you know, it, Probably not. Like, I'm just going to craft this. And it's not. Scenario, and it, yeah. This is a kind of an underrated movie, and it's not the best movie. But have you seen the movie Funny People with Adam Sandler and Johnny? Yes, yeah. It's one of the only Adam Sandler movies I really enjoy. And it's just, it's about, you know, for those of you that don't know, it's it's Adam Sandler. Spoilers. No, I'm not giving this part. Adam Sandler. <laughs> I mean, it came out in 09, so. That's fair. So okay. Adam Sandler plays a, a, a older comedian. Yeah. Who now is, like, so famous that he, he hires a team of writers to write his jokes. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's Jonah Hill is one of the main characters and he becomes one of the writers. Yeah. And so what's fascinating about this movie is a lot of the scenes, Seth Rogen, right? Seth Rogen. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah, one of the writers yeah. too. And a lot of the, a lot of the, 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 the fun stuff about this movie is a lot of scenes of them sitting around workshopping jokes. Yeah. Like how do jokes work and what that, and I think there's even like one moment where I thought it was really cool where, you know, Adam Sandler's character was doing like reflecting on his past in comedy and, and he, there was like videos playing of like, of his real early standups. Oh, sure. Like yeah. in the movie where yeah. like, you know, it was just showing it. Yeah, this is my level of popularity. So even though he wasn't Adam Sandler, they were still using Adam Sandler's original standup yeah. uh, of, of recordings in the movie. Makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, and there's like, and they, it just, it was just interesting to watch a, a movie talking about the process of creating comedy. And like, you know, like you said, they're sitting around a table. Oh, this happened to me. Ooh, it'd be funnier if you took this out and added in this. Yeah. You know, and so, yes, I think you're right, Ian. You start with a baseline story, but then as you start to tell the joke, you workshop the joke. Oh, well, this, you know, this verbiage isn't funny. Let me try this word. Or, you know, you know what? It originally might have been a stick, but I think it might be funnier if we make it a banana. You know what I mean? I think right. that might be funny. Right. And so right. then you start to alter the joke as and because here's the thing. You want a response from your audience. Mm -hmm. So you're going to craft the joke to what's going to get the best response back to you. And if you workshop that joke and you tried stick one night and only half the crew laughed, but then the next night you said the word banana and everybody in the place laughed, right. you're now going to continue to use banana. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, yeah, that's part of the thing is like that happens on the fly all the time, you know, with comedians is uh, one night they'll, they will say they'll try something different because it didn't work the night before. Um, yeah, you know, I, let me go back to this article uh, for a second. Um, you know, it was one of those things as, yeah, that's right. The vice article, you know, you know, I think there is room as you were kind of talking about, like, is it okay to critique the actual effects of, uh, of the comedy, you know? And I think that one of the things that we should be looking at here is like what, you know, the importance of, comedians i think in our culture and like right. what they're for you know one of the things that i you know you mentioned uh at the beginning of this segment of the segment uh louis ck's joke that he uh well his monologue that he did on snl about yeah. uh, the child molestation yes you know obviously people got very uncomfortable about it but there was this uh video essay i saw about him and how louis ck is this sort of moral detective you know and he is discovering what makes us all uncomfortable you know and and poking and prodding those little triggers to and in a way discovering something new about human so nature. basically you're saying that he his style of comedy and i think anthony jesernick is very similar to this where it's like i am i'm going to make the intentional choice to keep crossing a line yeah and the only reason i'm doing this is because if i cross a line and if i make something that we all do ridiculous or if i cross that line 
it's going to tell the person who who's hearing that joke where what side of that line exactly they're going to tell it's going to tell something about you right like if you know if let's say you have this image of yourself of being the most uh equanimous person you know like super egalitarian you like there's no way you would like think about uh you know uh an opposite race in, in any type of negative light. And then you see a famous comedian make a, you know, for lack of a better word, racist joke. Yeah. And you laugh hysterically at it. What's that saying about you? It's, it's not really sure. Maybe that comedian, it, it, there's something going on in his brain that makes him think that that's also funny, but you're laughing at it too. And so it's one of those things that comedy is a way for us all to reflect uh, you know, in our own lives and how we feel about certain things. Right. And, and I think that, yeah. And I, th- I think, I guess if I had to really kind of put my stamp on this, uh-huh. I think that I didn't have a problem with his special. Yeah. But I think that you need to acknowledge the polarization that's happening. You need to acknowledge that, that, that some of the things that you talk about, especially with the Me Too movement, especially about with, with transgender, these are people that are going through some serious turmoils right now. Yeah. And even if you want, even if people within their own movements have come comedic light. Now, here's the thing. I'm not, you know, I thought his bit about the LGBTQ community in the car. Uh-huh. I thought it was like, you know, he was using letters and not actually saying names. And he was yeah. like kind of coming up with these funny stereotypes with them all being in a car together. And you can find that offensive. Like, absolutely. Cause, and, and, but for me though, like the gay friends that I know, and I, I've I've spent time with and, and I have they they would have told a similar joke. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. It's yeah. like with the humor that I hear some of them say is like they would because they also have beefs with people within their own communities. Yeah. It's everybody has that. You of know, course, it's just yeah. like and, well, like well, I mean like I, just like me. It's just like I'm white, so it's like fuck you, white supremacist. You're fucking <laughs> ma- like what yeah, are you doing? You're white doesn't mean Yeah, it doesn't mean dick. Values. Like, yeah, it's I know. just like that's I why just I, don't understand why yeah. you think you're superior and now it's like I'm all of a sudden pigeonholed in that category. I'm like, that's bullshit. Now yeah. it's completely different than what uh, you know what people that are oppressed go through. Of course. I understand that. But yeah. but however, I think what should have been handled is this. I think that we go back and we talk about you know, maybe let's talk about uh, Colin Moriarty. Yeah. His joke on International Women's Day. Yeah. Wrong time, wrong place. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. But if it's a stand-up special, that is the right place to make right. a joke because you know what you're going into. So yeah. I just wish when when Dave Chappelle said, you clicked on my face, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think he should have took one step further. I think he should have just had a little message. You know, that said, like, there's going to be offensive material if you are, you know, and just say this. Look, if you if you make it make it funny, like, look, if if you're somebody that likes to joke about yourself, that can understand that the things that are being said on the stage are just jokes, then please continue. See, I I mean, I don't even think he needs to do that because he is Dave Chappelle. Right. And that's true. So but that's what I'm saying is like, if I think that that would soften the blow, like it's just molding to the to the environment that you're in. And I know that he might hate that. And I understand that. A lot of his specials seem to be like, I just don't like... Because, you know, he comes back and his type of humor is now yeah. more controversial than ever been before. Yeah. And I think that's what bothers him. And I understand yeah. that. But it's like... But you're right. In the, but there's something about that, though, in, in that reference. You know, he's like, hey, you clicked on my face. Right. Like, you are going to... You're specifically watching comedy. Like... There, I don't. I think by definition, comedy is going to go out and make us uncomfortable. You know, it's one of those things like, like how naive are we really? And it's just like, oh, I'm sure there'll be nothing wrong about this. You know, I've heard you know only nice things about or 
Dave Chappelle, like, of course, like, I'm not going to be offended, you know, no matter what. Like, there are things I didn't find funny in it, you know, but I knew the kind of comedy that he is. Right. And so well, and, really but I think, too, and I think, the, you know, another reason why you really wanted to talk about this, because to me, it parallels so much with with what's going on and coddling in the American mind and what's happening right. in American col- or and, and, and college campuses right now and 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 preventing, you know, speakers from actually speaking. So I think what we have here is that we have a problem with with people not being able to separate ideas from speech. Yeah. And it's because we use speech to say ideas. And because they're so interconnected that a lot of people just assume that speech is ideas or ideas are speech. And so it's like, look, if I, or they're linking the idea to violence or actually influencing of those ideas. So it's like our culture now has moved. A lot of us has moved to thinking that the potential influence of an idea is almost as worse as the, as As the the idea itself. Yeah. Being implemented. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, a lot of, and that's why there's, you know, the IDW is critiqued a lot because they're just trying to say that like, no, it should be a conversation and, and a good idea should beat a bad idea. Yeah. And you should be intelligent enough to formulate your ideas to get people to agree to your idea. Mm-hmm. And there are firm believers that conversation and, and better ideas are the only thing you need to defeat bad ideas. Yeah. And, you know, and you have to, to, to kind of take that route. Now you have other people that, that don't believe that they hear that and they go, Oh, you just, you just, you know, you're going to let all these people influence everybody. And I just think that they have more faith that, that an idea doesn't necessarily always translate to influence. No, I certainly think that, you know, whomever we could ascribe to the IDW certainly ha- have faith in people's uh, one in intelligence and two the ability to, you know, uh, think critically about certain ideas and, and not be influenced uh, over, over bad ideas, you know, like obviously not everybody in the IDW even, you know, is, I don't even know if that's really a very popular thing to talk about now. You know, it's probably not, you know, it's probably not. Yeah. It's probably dead at this point. It's very controversial at this um, time. I mean, like there was even, uh, uh, an essay on Colette the other week talking about, uh, in defense of Andrew Yang, uh, in something, I think, it, did you send it to me? I can't remember. Uh, but I read it and I was like, this is fucking terrible. You know, I didn't like, I didn't like right, your, right. I just, I just, that's, well, no, that's I mean, the the, you, you, you actually describe another, another aspect of it where it's like, you know, it's, it's self-deprecation comedy is, has, has gotten people where they are, but it's like, what can be joked about and what can't be joked about. And I think it's the same thing about like, depending on what you've gone through. So for example, there have been gay comedians, like I think Ant, you remember Ant? Ant? Yeah, his name's Ant. I don't remember his last name, uh-huh. but he's like was very big. And he's famous for saying like I get full because I don't eat a I don't eat a sandwich. I eat a manwich. Like that was like some of his jokes. You know yeah. what I mean? And he was, but he was a very like he he his sets were a lot about yeah. joking about the gay community, right? And he made a career off of that. And you have you know you have. Obviously, you have like Def Jam comedy and, and finding a way. So what I what I think about that is people just need to look at that example. You know what Def Jam comedy is? It is it is a release from the fucking suffering that the this group of people had to go through and to get somebody on stage and to find a way to make it funny. Yeah. And in the reverse. So nobody bats. And what I mean by that is like, no, you have to look. OK, how do I phrase this? When Chris Rock and Eddie Murphy and, and you know, you have. Uh, what was it? What's his name? The Bernie, no, the. Who are you talking about? Bernie Mac. Oh, Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac yeah. and all those comedians. 
you know, they can say stuff about their oppression, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and making fun of whites for, yeah. for this and that. And you know what? For me as a white, like, again, it's not my right to be offended, but I'm not offended because I'm like, yes. Like, that is awesome that everybody in that place is laughing. Right. And this man has found a way to take a pain and to get people to laugh about that pain that this culture has felt. Yeah. And now, granted, the only difference between Chappelle talking about these other things and, and that is that that is the pain that he knows and has, has, has experienced. Mm-hmm. So he is joking about a pain that he knows and experienced. Yeah. So the only argument that I can kind of see is that if you're going to joke about the Me Too movement, you're going to joke about trends, you know what I mean? You don't know the pain that those people have felt. So your jokes may not be as genuine because you're not coming from a place of understanding. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing right there. You know, so often I've heard that it's like, look, you haven't felt what I felt. How can you know? It's like, okay, I don't know that. So the smart thing to do is to find that bridge. And what I think, and I think what Dave Chappelle is really getting at too. And I, there was a few moments, like, for example, this is what he said. And I, I, I really appreciate that. He said, if I've made fun of you tonight, it's probably because I see you in myself. Yeah. 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 And this goes back to my thing. This goes back to my thing about human beings. We all experience the same emotions. The stories that have led to those emotions are different, Mm. but I think that you can take, you can find parallels between the trans community and the black community. Both are, are, are not accepted for who they are. Both want rights that they don't have. Both have been oppressed. Both have been attacked. Both have experienced pain. Now it's different. It is different. The narrative is different. Yeah. But like all human beings, when you strip away the narrative, the underlying emotions are the same. What we all feel is the same. Hanger, hatred, jealousy, like captivity, you know, we, like, or, or uh, like claustrophobic or, you know, like you just, yeah, I know you, yeah. all these, all, you know, lists can go on of all these emotions because we all have the same emotions. It's not different emotions. It's just different stories. Right. And so I think that, you know, to me, I'm just a firm believer that if we, I don't laugh at this world, I'll cry. And I want to keep myself positive. So I admire people that, that take a crack at the hard stuff. No, yeah. And I, I, and in the sense that I think, because for me, I'm giving them the sympathetic interpretation that what they're trying to do is they're just trying to provide a bit, just a bit of humor, a 30 minute or an hour special, just an hour where you can get rid of what's going on in the world, laugh at humans being humans. And then when it's done, you 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 suspended your disbelief. Now your belief is back, and you go and live your life. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's one of the more important things that we can do is not take you know take take a moment and not take life so seriously. You know, because the thing is, is like it is. You know, Bill Hicks used to have this uh, uh, his famous uh, special revelation. I think uh, he had this bit at the end, like it's just a ride. Yeah. You know, like don't worry, it's just a ride. You know, we're just here temporarily. We're just trying to figure things out um, and things go wrong. We can figure it out, you know, so don't take things so seriously. You know, my, you know, I'll just say I won't go into specifics here, but my wife and I have had disagreements on this. You know, 9-11 is coming up and oh, I, 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 I won't. So here I we won't, go. I won't make it. Here we I, go. I won't say I won't say anything. I'll save it for the day. No. Um, I'm going to make a tally of how many <laughs> followers we lose from this episode. Let's just keep a track of that. I'm going to notice. Gonna bring them in, man. Yep, We're going to yep. bring them in, baby. Yep. So 9-11 is coming up. A few years ago, I made a – I threw a GIF up on uh, Twitter and Facebook that was 
uh, offensive. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. Great. Now, yeah, now this yeah. is going to so ruin the podcast. Don't worry. I'm not, po- I'm not posting the GIF from our account. Don't worry about it. Um, regardless, I posted the GIF and uh, on on social media. My wife saw it, and we got into a very heated argument about oh. it. Oh. Yeah, very heated. Uh, and I am of the mind that if you can't laugh about something, then you you can't, you know, like it's like the five stages of grief. Right. Sure. You know, like first, you know, there's uh, anger, you know, d- anger, and then denial and depression, and then you know, somewhere I don't along remember the way, all. Yeah, the I don't remember steps. all, but somewhere along the line, the last one is acceptance, and I think acceptance of s- some type of traumatic event is not, you know, not reacting. Like it's like okay, I can do better, or I can do different, or I can make a change here. Like it's, but it is that it's that like okay, that's happened. The world will go on. Now I now I will do something better. And so with nine eleven, obviously that was a really terrible fucking thing for those nineteen hijackers to go and crash two planes, killing. I mean, how many people died? Like two thousands of people. Thousands, like a couple, thousands. A couple, at least a couple thousand. Thousands. Right? So it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing that happened. That happened, you know, nine years ago. No. Nine oh years my ago? god! Jesus! Oh my god! Crying nitly. You know. Eight, like eighteen years ago. Gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> only nine, only nine years ago. Eighteen years. What happened ago. nine years ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. But eighteen. Was... But almost. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Sorry. But almost. Just, at least two you're... decades. Okay? Ian's not a math scientist. I, I'm everybody. Not, I'm, not, I'm not one of those. Math He's not one of those math scientists. So, uh, I don't hey, know why I, we get I so derivative up, in our accents every I, time. I know. You know, it's a, I come from that, so like I feel okay. And hey, I my, my again, my grandmother actually comes from Texas. My family so, comes from the south. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, almost two decades ago, nine eleven happened, and it's one of those things where obviously it was terrible. But like, if we can't laugh about it, then in a way, it's one of those things like the terrorists still kind of win. You know, like the point of terrorism. <laughs> listen to me. The point of terrorism <laughs> oh is God. terror. I hope you and know that fear. that's that's not going to be the, know, at the front I, of this episode. No, it won't. Uh, <laughs> of course not. But yeah. the- <laughs> hold on. Can, can I get this get this straight? I need to repeat it back to you. I just can't. Let me get this straight. You're saying that not joking or not like accepting the lightheartedness of 9-11 is the terrorists win. Yes, I am absolutely serious. So, now, Think this about is, it. This is different. The reason why I'm laughing. Here, yeah. Let me just let me spell yeah. this out though before you do this. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to say this. I am a dark humor fan. Yeah. And let me tell you what that means. Yeah. And I, I, you know, when I meet my other dark humor friends, it means that it is so terrible and we know that it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And we know the pain and suffering that's attached to that. That for some reason, my body to compartmentalize what I'm seeing just has a laugh response. Sure. And a lot yeah. of the times, when, you know, my friends that we have this little group, because you know, there's there's specific Twitter channels of like, dark humor. Yeah. And when my friend, uh, my my biggest dark humor advocate, when she sends me all the things that she sends me, there's like moments where I'm like, oh my, that is the... Yeah. <laughs> And then I start laughing because it's like, so this moment is one of those moments where yeah. you made that statement and that moment is like, that sounded, I don't think you meant it to sound as bad as it sounded. Oh, no, of course but not. It but it sounded so bad that but, I just couldn't help but laugh because it was just like, the, it just, it came out of me. Sure, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I know. It, and I then know. I settled down, but then I, it doesn't mean that I lose the tragedy of what it was. Of course. Of course. You know, because, my, you know, my, I mean, think about what terrorism means. It's It's meant to incite fear and to make us it's to make us more more vulnerable yeah 
if we can't make light of something, even as bad as, as, as a tragedy like that, then there's something about ourselves that we, that we can't repair that. And so I feel that there are times where we have to not take things so seriously. And so we can heal that. I think that's a very important part of the healing. It is, but, but, but I think the only thing that kind of you run into trickiness there is, 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 is comedy is all about timing, all about timing. Oh yeah. So do you think that that's why I love Norm Macdonald? Right. But I'm saying, do you think that certain issues, so, for example, if, if a comedian jokes about 9-11 now, it might still cause some controversy. No doubt. But at the same time, you were saying that, like, your, your argument is that, look, you you have to kind of, like, heal and you have to kind of keep moving on. And if you can see light in a situation, we cannot change the past. We yeah. cannot change with what – we can't change yeah, what happened. Exactly. Yeah. And we went through years of, of, of basically trauma and building together as a nation to, to kind of combat that huge tragic thing yeah. that we happened. Yeah. And now we have the – honoring and the memorial and everything that's going on. And you're saying that like now, like part of the acceptance thing is being okay to just kind of like lighten the mood about it for just temporarily, just the moment of that joke. But you know, if you look into like the trans issue and the, and the, um, and the me too movement that Dave Chappelle made fun of, would you argue that we're literally in the thick of that right now? Like, is it, are, is, is it, is the timing right for those jokes is what what I'm asking. Maybe, maybe it's not, but uh, you know, I feel like, there are still so many people, you know, so he had, he had a, uh, again, in that, um, uh, 20 minute Q and a, he made a bit of, he said something about like, look, people were giving, uh, Dave Chappelle shade for normalizing, uh, the R Kelly, um, uh, accusings, right. Of being, um, you know, right. whatever, whatever he was saying about it. And then he was saying, he's like, look, if you guys are upset at me for making fun of trans people, shouldn't it in that way, normalize, trans people like now we should now we should accept them in some kind of way and i think what he was getting at was that look people you know people just are weirded out by the idea of what it means to be trans people who aren't informed enough or who don't know any trans people or have never met anybody like they some a lot of people just don't get it you know they just don't and maybe a lot of they, people don't get a lot of things yeah, absolutely and and maybe they never will but the thing is, is if you have to realize is that they're just people and, you know, if you go up and meet them and talk to them, they'll probably give you some good explanations. Of why course. They well, they have way. goals, yeah, they exactly. have drives, they have desires, and a lot of them just kind of want to live the fucking life that they want to live. Yeah. And like you said, very, you know, and I think, uh, again, this is this is the aspect of libertarianism I, I agree with full heartedly. Yeah. Where it's like that person making their individual choice to affect themselves does not affect anybody else but themselves. Yeah. And if that's the case why is it a problem? Yeah. You know, just because you don't understand it or you don't like it doesn't make it wrong. Right. Like, yeah. and that's the problem yeah. there. And yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're, but so yeah. when, when you joke about it, like there are obviously people that still feel uncomfortable that about that sort of thing. Uh, you know, and so if you don't air all of that, then it's just held inside and, and you begin to resent something that you don't understand. And I think by way of making it public, you know, maybe this whole back and forth, you know, between uh, comedians and and critics of them, that is the process by which we grow. We we air stuff that we're uncomfortable about. People say like, no, you can't say that. And then the the whole back and forth, this is what 
grows America. This is what grows the culture. Sure, and, and I think, too, to even go further about that, the last article that's not actually about the Sticks and Stones special, but the one I found the most entertaining um, that you had said, you know, because yeah. I know we're getting that half uh, hour and a half mark, so I want to be cautious of time here. But it was the Vice, another Vice article written by uh, Patrick Mar- Marborough? Mar- yeah, Patrick Marborough. Yeah. yeah, like the cigarettes. Yes. Yeah. And this was written in March 29th, 2017. Now, there was, it, was a different, um, it was a different stand-up special. But you know what I liked about that article? It was an actual comedian. Right. Who was reviewing right. Dave Chappelle's special. Yeah. Who actually understood uh, Dave Chappelle's comedy as, as a whole. Yeah. And so I think that, and again, you know what's interesting? This just kind of came into my head here. This, you know, this, is, this will be my last little bit here. Sure. My last little bit would be this. Sounds great, because I'm sick and tired of fearing your fucking... No, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ditto right back at yeah. you, you <laughs> piece of shit. Okay, so the first thing is that this whole idea Josh of... Josh and I are best friends, by the way. We're, <laughs> we're, he's, he's, we're besties with testies. Yeah. Don't test these besties. Yeah. That's from Harvard Sailing Team. I stole that. that they did a video on... I'm glad you sourced yeah, it. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So the, the last couple of things I'll say is, first of all, this whole argument of, of hating it because you don't understand it, mm-hmm. right? you could easily make that argument looking reverse. Comedy is a weird art form. Comedy is a bizarre art form. Nobody really talks about how comedy is done except between comics within com. All we yeah. do is we see their material. Yeah. You know, unless you are trying to be in comedy, the average person is not going to understand the structure of a joke, how you build a joke, how you test audiences. What is, you know, they're not going to know that. So you can make the same thing where you can make the same argument. Well, you don't understand how the art of comedy is, is developed and designed. And so if you hear jokes that offend you, you're going to hate it because you don't understand the, the process of that art form. And so, and I think what helps that narrative is that you have people that, that are not in the world of comics yeah. writing about comics. Right. And it's like, if you're not immersed in that world, like, so for me, and like sports is the prime example. You're not going to have somebody who doesn't know sports write about sports. Yeah. Like, right. I'm not going to go and write about the Knicks, you know? Like, yeah, like the New York happen. Times, their sports columns, they're not going to have M- Michael Barbaro write a, write, a, write a paper about sports. They're going to have their sports columnist who probably is educated and knows the field and knows the industry. Right, exactly. So you're going to want people that know the industry to write right. these things. So a lot of these, uh, the articles that you sent me were people that claimed to me were just not involved in the industry. Obviously, yeah. And we, they were judging yeah. it based on what was said. So right. that's confusing the narrative even more when you have people that are not in the art because if you are in the industry, you might be able to explain it to the reader through the lens of how the industry views these things. Yeah. That's that exactly. that'll help. But yeah. secondly, it's just kind of like this 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 understanding that humans have always feared what we don't know and what we don't understand. But for some reason we also don't want to take the time to understand it. We're just happy with being <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like it's easier to just I don't like it and I don't want to yeah, not like I it. I don't like it and I don't understand it and it's easier for me to not like it than try to understand it. And I'm not going to understand it because I don't like it. You know what I mean? And that's like, and so that's what, you know, is, is the problem. And so, and, and here's the thing, if people, and this is the weird irony It's the last thing I'll say, the irony of it all is because people fear and hate what they don't understand. It is why these particular groups have been oppressed the way they have. Yeah. That is a hundred percent. Absolutely. The reason why, because we choose to not understand we don't get it. We're just going to hate it and fear it because it's different than what we do. Yeah. The naive realism in this country is insane to me. We, we don't pay attention to context. We just look into our own experience of the world and think that's the way that it is without understanding that other people have experiences too. And that's going to define who they are. 
So it's like Dave Chappelle is going to have his own set of experiences that have probably led him to his beliefs, just as you have in the audience being upset about it. Mm. So I just think that for everybody out there, this topic is difficult for me. I'm glad we got to flesh it out. But my thing is this. If you're listening, I would just encourage you just to dig a little deeper. Be a philosopher. Ask yourself why you feel what you feel. Ask yourself what really is it about these things that upset you. And if your only answer is it's different from what I believe, then then you need to keep yeah, looking. Seriously, Maybe some soul searching. Some yeah. soul searching because yeah. like that's not like you have to understand. It's not just you. And I think you and I fleshing this stuff out. What frustrates me the most is learning that when we first started this podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> yeah. When I'm talking to you, I'm like, like you know, fuck is before this guy? we even started yeah. the podcast, we would have conversations at your house, heated conversations. Yeah. And I go, what the fuck? <laughs> like why? Yeah, because like you know, you we knew each other in high school barely, barely, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, let's come over because we used to be high school friends, and so we'll get along, right? And then it's like. Who the fuck is this? Well, guy? then, well, we realized Whose house did I well, go we kind of we realized that we're we were both conversationalists. You know, yeah. we both like yeah. you know I didn't care. You gave me a topic. Give if I didn't know about it, give me like a half hour to research it, and then I'm willing to to yeah. have a conversation about it. Yeah. I was always down with whatever you want to talk about. And you had just what you were just a sophomore in your philosophy major right there. You junior right now? Where are you at? Uh, I mean, it's you're whatever. Even, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah you're you're, you're building credits. How I'm, about that? I'm, I'm starting my last year, so okay. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. So you know, when we started this endeavor, you were just in the middle of philosophy. So you have opened me up. Now, here's the weird thing: you've opened me up so much, but it's just found ways to to not only like solidify or redefine what I believe, not just based on what I experience, based yeah. on what's out there, and 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 comparing that to my own experience. Yeah. We should be. Not just having our own experiences be the default way the world is. We should be comparing to others' experiences mm-hmm. and see the differences and the similarities. Yeah. Because we're more similar than I think we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. I'm done. I'll give you the last word on that. So You're not going to say anything? No, I I think that was beautiful. So Oh, okay. Well, I guess <laughs> here's another last word. <laughs> no, um, you can find us on Twitter. Ian, everything Ian has is Modern Overman. This is true. Literally, he made it easy. I'm yeah. not so easy. That's I'm true. at the only one blog. Now, my domain name's about to expire in the next couple of days, so we'll see how that goes. You know, it's funny. Mine is about to renew, and it's like I have to pay. My website is like 75, and then my domain is 20, and like I have to... I have to figure out... Yeah. Anyway, All right, well, that's easy. Really and funny. make sure to follow the podcast. Uh, basically, it's... it's Go to our website. I'm just going to give you our website. Yeah. I know we have that ad... Um, but you know, for Patreon scribes or whatever, just let you know, it's www.necessarybspodcast.com. Yeah. Literally everything, a- everything you, need, you can find where us to find where us, us are in our our S feed, everything that we try to promote our links to both you and I's uh, personal Twitter accounts, as yeah. well as our, um, our podcast, Twitter, it's all there. So yeah. do that. And I will leave you with this. My, my domain name expires in three days and my dumb ass wrote that it expired, but forgot to write down the website that I registered at with. So that's <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye, bye, folks. Come back next time. Peace. Uh, everything that guy just says bullshit. Thank you.